Welcome to the Sleepless Sessions. And for returning listeners, welcome back. On this podcast, we explore the lives of those in pursuit of their passions, dreams, and living unconventional lifestyles. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my friend Dow. Shout out to Dow Brizzy Beats for letting us use his studio on short notice to record this episode today that you guys are listening to. On this episode, I sit down with my good friend Sam that I went to high school with, and I met him initially in a Spanish class. Shout out to Senor Wood, and and we have stayed in touch since, and we eventually crossed paths at a climbing gym that we both worked at for a period of time. And on top of that, we had gone to a Dropkick Murphys show on St. Paddy's Day, and and at that show, if you guys are familiar with a Dropkick Murphys show, at the end of their sets, especially in Boston, could be a Boston thing, I'm not sure if they do it everywhere, but with the last two songs they played, people can rush the stage and hop over the barricade. And we got close enough where we were some of those people that were able to run on top of the stage, and as they were finishing out their set, we were up there screaming along the words with them, and that was a really cool experience that we were able to share. But ever since, Sam has been a good friend of mine, and I'm super excited to go on some adventures with him in the future. I'm going to put timestamps in the show notes on the listening platform that you guys are listening to this on today. And thank you guys again so much for tuning in today. It means so much. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share this episode with a friend today who you think would enjoy it. On this episode, we talk about an adventurous lifestyle, doing van life, being a climber, a runner that's done marathons and ultra-endurance races while trying to maximize his life, and so much more. We were on a limited time frame, and there's definitely going to be a part two to this coming in the future, so stay tuned for that. So let's jump right into it. Please welcome Sam Davis to episode seven of The Sleepless Sessions. Sam, welcome to episode seven of the Sleepless Sessions. Thank you for coming on today. Thank and you. And thank so much you, for Dow, me. for being able to host us today. Yeah, the studio is awesome. This is a, such a cool legit. spot. Super glad to be here. So let's jump right into it. I would love for you to tell me a little bit of your early life growing up. We both went to North High School. Mm-hmm. And then can you then dive into discovering a life of adventure, wanderlust, and trying to maximize your life. I know that's a lot to unpack, but mm-hmm. living the life that you do, you seem to be living your life to the max. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up, you know, I grew up in Newton, like you said, um, I was always, you know, athletic. I grew up playing soccer. Uh, I used to dance, you know, in high school, I played a bunch of sports like lax and wrestling. And, you know, I was one of those kids, like, super ADD, ADHD, who, like, I have, I still have a hard time sitting still. So whenever I was playing sports like soccer, soccer was kind of my main sport growing up, I, like, felt this focus that I, I never really got anywhere else, like, sitting in a, in a classroom. When my whole body's moving and I'm sweating and my heart rate's up, I, I feel like I'm, in, I'm most focused then. And, you know, it's just fun. Kind of like finding that flow state. Yeah, the flow state. Yeah, being in a trance is just engaging. Um, It's easy for me to get there when I'm, you know, my heart rate's up. And then, yeah, I mean, growing up, I kind of mentioned to you, I had my father passed away when I was seven suddenly. um, And there was some other stuff that happened in my family. And I kind of, you know, I've I've seen my mom. So my mom was a single mom with, I'm the youngest of five. So she's a single mom, raising five kids, working so much. And again, what I was mentioning to you now, I'm going over there trying to clean up her house. So, you know, she was always working, 
like making sure that she can feed all of us and put us through school. And, you know, now my, my sister has kids and, and my brother has kids and everyone's like working super hard. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm down for the hustle thing and I've myself have, you know, worked hard, but I didn't really think that that was exactly what would make me happy. Like what I thought life was really about. Mm -hmm. And I think I went on my first camp, like backpacking trip, like legit in high school with Eli Landman, um, Sheli, shout out. And, uh, shout out Eli. <laughs> and, um, you know, I did those and then, and then maybe I did a few trips here and there. And I was like, whoa, like I love being in the woods and I have so much fun when I'm out here. And I'm, I was like, how can I just put myself there in the woods? How can I maximize my time there to enjoy it? And I've slowly kind of realized like, you know, the less my living expenses, the more I can play outside. And I don't know, I've just this well-being goal. Like I feel like I grew up with all this stress in my household and everyone was always yelling. And and so when I go into the, the forest, I, a metaphor I kind of think of is like the trees are like a colander filtering out like, you know, a colander when you filter out water mm -hmm. for pasta. And so my brain is like the pasta and the water it's filtering out is like stress. And the mm -hmm. trees are like the colander. So I go in the woods and it's like the trees like filter out. Kind of feel at ease. And yeah. I know that same feeling being in nature. It's just the amount of peace, the tranquility around it. You can just be present with nature. Mm -hmm. And when you face a problem or when things are hard, it's like, it's for real hard. Like you have to whatever, get over this obstacle or, you know, you somehow you have to hike or walk a certain distance to the next watering spot. And it's these problems that are, are like real as opposed to like, I mean, obviously other life stress stresses are real stresses, but it's just like just the gr the hustle and bustle of grinding to like be able to pay for a place to live in this city full of like concrete when it's like I'm, you know, I used to work for the weekends. So on the weekends, I go out and get after it. And I'm like, man, like, how can I shape my life to, to, for those weekends to be not just weekends, but to be, you know, the week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's a combination of like learning actual skills and like, you know, hiking is like, you know, anyone can like kind of hike. And when you get more kind of more sketchy stuff, you got to be careful, but more when it comes to climbing and, and things where technique and skill is like really important. So I've definitely tried, I, I reach out to a lot of people and any opportunity I take and I'm like, yeah, like, let's do this. I want to learn this. And yeah, so it's almost like a selfish thing. I mm -hmm. sometimes think that I just want to do what I, I like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it can be interpreted as selfish, but at the end of the day, you got to be doing what you want to be doing at the end of the day. You want to be maximizing your life and living a fulfilling life. And I think everybody has their own different methods of how they can approach that. And in a sense, having that like nine to five, that hustle lifestyle, and there's, there's great aspects to it. And mm -hmm. I understand the value of it, but at the same time, it's, it's nice just to be able to disconnect and fully do what you want to do. Yeah. And how do you, what obstacles have you faced while trying to create that life and make that possible? 
Yeah. Uh, well, first it was like rent payments, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I would, I lived um, on my own and I would have to pay rent. And so I, in order to do that, I would have to work like 40 hours a week. And eventually I bought this old beater van that has like 200,000 miles on it. Um, I'm always searching Facebook Marketplace. Like I still, mm-hmm. even though I own a van, I'm still searching for vans. And there actually is a nice uh, van out there currently that I'm trying to get someone who's interested. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm always just looking for opportunities. And so once I had that van, it was really the fact that I had a place that I could sleep in it kind of changed the game and, and my lease um, ended around the same time and I like didn't resign. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have my sister and my mom who I, I can crash at their places. But once I figured out the living situation, um, that was definitely the biggest obstacle. Um, and I hate to say like, it's all kind of the same, like financial things are kind of the biggest obstacles working. And so I, you know, I got my personal training certificate a Mm -hmm. few years ago and I thought I could, you know, do my own business and kind of have my own hours and stuff, which I've done. And I've gone back and forth. I had my own business and then I've worked at gyms and so building that up and now, and now I have, you know, a good amount of clients. It's all kind of through word of mouth. And so I have like a solid base there. So those are definitely the two biggest obstacles was like, unfortunately, a financial thing because I needed a place to be and I needed money to like, mainly the money was to live in, in this apartment that had, you know, like a shower and everything. Right. That being a large expense. The bi- the biggest for me, at least, you know, I had some co- some college loans um, that I'm still paying off. But, but once I got rid of the apartment and I was in my van for the majority of the week, it was like you know, I'm giving up like showering every day, but like I, every time I find water, I'll jump in. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And, it, and not only just the, the actual like money to pay for a place to live, but also just the mindset of like what you said, the nine to five isn't for everyone, but we're raised in like our schooling to be like, that is what you do. Like very linear in a sense. Like you do this, yeah, to this, 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 and this, this, and then you'll end up here doing this. Right. And like, that's the goal is to be here with mm-hmm. a good job and good money. And mm-hmm. so it was almost like, I was like, oh, that isn't the only way to do it. Like right. there's, there's other ways that work for like other people, like different strokes, you know? And and it's the same with school, like sitting in a classroom was not, for me, wasn't the best way for me to learn because I'm surrounded by all my friends and I want to have fun. So it's, it's. I had a hard time, I'm kind of going off from your original question, but I kind of had a hard time in school because I wasn't, you know, performing like my peers. And I was like, why? Like, oh, the, I'm like, you know, I was always in like the smaller classes with more individualized help. And it sort of made me down about myself. And I thought I was like kind of a dumb kid. And just the older I get, I've been like, I was like, oh, I'm not a dumb kid. And like, I have good thoughts. And the only thing is that just wasn't the best way for me. Right, exactly. So when I found out that career-wise, like working 40 hours a week so I can have an apartment in the Boston area, so then on the weekends I can go up to Maine or whatever, I was like, wait, I don't like need to do that. Like, I don't need to live in the Boston area or, you know, need to live in an apartment. Like I'm 27 now and I'm, and I'm okay with being uncomfortable and dirty in order to maximize my time out in the woods. A big thing that I find with, you know, living in my van 
is you kind of give up these comforts or like luxury items. I, you know, I hear some through hikers call them like a luxury item. Um, you give those up in order to just be able to spend more time. Right. Out because, Making those sacrifices to mm-hmm. take on that lifestyle where kind of like the yin and yang where there can be a lot of good, but there's also the negative aspects. And with the negative aspects, what sacrifices did you have to make when taking on that lifestyle? I know that you mentioned also before a van, you were doing it out of a Corolla. Mm-hmm. You're mentioning yeah, that. Probably, and yeah. then getting into a van. And I'm sure traveling around, there's a lot of beauties in waking up in a new place and oh, having yeah. a new adventure. But what were some of those difficulties that? Yeah, the difficulties. You had to I mean, just being away. That lifestyle happen. Yeah, I mean, I think being away from my family, like you know, I, I don't want to keep talking about my mom, but she was always tough, and and you know, like she has a hard life herself, and she definitely puts pressure on me because I, I I should help out and I do help out. But when I know that, or when I'm, when I'm not helping out, it's not a bad thing. It's not like I'm betraying her. So my biggest sacrifices were being like, was, was kind of learning that, like that was always really tough for me. It was that family dynamic. So, and then my sister has like, you know, I have three nieces and two nephews and another one on the way. My sister has two with another one. My brother has three. So a big sacrifice was like not was just locate like being away from them. You know, like I love my family and, and my friends also in, in, you know, the Boston area, I'm mainly talking. And when I go to, you know, New Hampshire, the white mountains, whatever, I don't get to hang out with them so much. And especially my niece, um, she like cries every time I leave. And cause I lived with them during the pandemic when mm-hmm. I, and I had my accident and everything, I stayed with them for a while. Cause I was like, you know, I, I had all these surgeries coming up. And so I couldn't do the van thing. And in the winter too, it gets tough, um, as you can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine just from just being in frigid <laughs> yeah, New England climate, it's not the most ideal to kind of have that van life. And a lot of people I know travel all around and yeah. try to bounce from place to place. And with, I want to dive into the minimalist aspect of that lifestyle. It's something that really intrigues me. And eventually one day I want to pursue van life and to have a traveling studio where I interview people for my podcast in a van or Mm -hmm. in a cool spot with a nice view or whatever it may be, just kind of being able to travel to other folks, make it easier for everybody else. But with the minimalist aspects, can you tell me about embracing minimalism in that lifestyle and also the discomfort and in a sense, being comfortable with being uncomfortable? I feel like at that point it can, it can unlock kind of new territories of your own mindset as well and just kind of ways that you look at different things. Yeah. The biggest thing, like right when you said that was appreciation. Mm -hmm. Like when you go camping or, you know, do this minimal stuff, which I'll get into in a sec, but the biggest thing is I I just am so more appreciative of like tap water Mm -hmm. or hot water or like a dishwasher, you know, or a refrigerator, Mm -hmm. just like things that you don't like electricity, you know, things you don't think of too much, um, things that you have to work for, like all those things, you know, I don't have a cooler in my van. And then water is always big, like having to find a water source, whether it be, you know, I always try to like gas stations have spigots or you can filter it from rivers or worst case, like a grocery store, you just buy water, but it it just makes you more appreciative of everything. And when you're in the city and all this hustle and bustle all the time, it's like, you don't stop and think about 
how great things are mm -hmm. around you. So yeah, I mean, right right when I started, when I was like, all right, I'm I'm right when I left my apartment, I I went through all my clothes, and because clothes is my biggest thing, and I I just you know I picked like two or three, I think I picked four of everything, like two athletic, you know, shirts, underwear, shorts, and pants, and then two I call them like sleepy time or just like campsite like comfy clothes that I, I wouldn't necessarily sweat in. And I just cut all my, my wardrobe into now it fits in like I have like three bags or four bags that I could just hold on my clothes and right in my lap. And I, I really went through every single thing and was like, what do I need? And I got rid of I like donated I sold I have a gearbox in my mom's attic, which she might not love. I, I, I went through all the stuff and I, I got rid of what I didn't need. And then when you're out there, you know, wherever you, you learn really quickly what you use often and what is like a luxury item. And then you say, oh, I really don't need this. You know, like I, I used to have just this big spoon that I would cook with and I would like actually cook with it i used to even like cut sometimes with the spoon and because like washing dishes is a pain in the ass right exactly. that a sink so so my cook i just have like a pan and like a fork spoon and um you know like that works for me and that's what i have and then of course when i get to a kitchen my sisters are like so my girlfriend's house or whatever i'm like sweet like i have all these different utensils and bowls and sizes and it's like i love now i'm having such a good time cooking and i do have a good time cooking when i'm in you know, my van. And like you said, I'm always like, oh, I have a new backyard every day, pretty much. You know, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. this is my kitchen today, you know, some by the river. Oh, now I'm, you know, up in this cool parking lot, you know, this trail parking lot, and that's my kitchen for the day. Mm -hmm. um, so the sacrifices of comfort, you know, and I, I'm not always going to sleep again, like showered and, but it, it's really all worth it because during the day or even night, sometimes you're in this, this amazing place and you can just think for a second. I don't know. I, I just, I, I have, my mind's always racing. So mm -hmm. the, like I said, the whole woods colander thing, it's the woods give me a, a really good place to just like be able to organize my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so giving up, like sacrificing, like, I guess style. I mean, style was always like a thing I didn't care. To, I mean, I definitely have a style, but it's not like I cared too much about it. And, mm -hmm. and now it's especially like, it's like, there's like, two or three shirts right. that I ever wear. Yeah. And I'm in the same boat where it's, there's so many folks where like, I love the sense of style. It's great. But I feel like for me, it got to a point where I was like, I have this effort for this day and for this week. And oh, I can't, I got to change this up. And yeah, it's, it's an extra step where I like the more simplistic approach where, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like it's good to have like a sense of style and like, presentability you know but at the same time you want to be you you want to be mm -hmm. what you feel is best for you some people need to be super stylish all the time that's just kind of their flow that's kind of what resonates with them that's, yeah. and that's the cool image there yeah and some people just love the simple minimalist approach and just kind of especially with being hiking and climbing and camping all the time it's it, it's probably a little bit of an area where it's hard to have both going at the same time. Yeah. It's pretty much strictly comfort for mm -hmm. me. Like, especially running. It's like, I don't really care the color when I buy like gear or whatever. I don't really care the color. It's just strictly comfort and how mm -hmm. it feels. Cause you know, especially in running, when you get to like the long distance, like 
when you're at mile like whatever 15 20 or you know whatever even like eight or whatever even like five mile five right. whatever anyone wherever you are mile three you want to be comfortable so you can focus on running and like you don't you know what i mean like i i guess like i don't know maybe being a dude it's a little easier than i know women maybe you know have this like society holds them to a higher mm-hmm. standard but I I am just like, all right, whatever. I don't care what it looks like as long as I'm comfortable so I can like perform and do this thing that I love. Right. And with there's a lot to unpack here with the different styles of hiking, climbing, and all that. But with running in particular, you've mentioned that you've done Boston Marathon a couple of times, that you've yeah. done a couple – you've done a 50K. And with running – 250Ks. 250Ks. Mm-hmm. Um with running and just the amount of stress it puts on your body, especially as the miles add up too. I mm-hmm. was telling you briefly, I did the David Goggins four by four by 48. Awesome. Shout out to and... Don again. <laughs> Sweet. I almost I don't did know that how I and I didn't do it. I chickened out. <laughs> I didn't do that. Probably the most intense pain I've put myself through. Yeah. And again, pushing but the, but the pain's myself temporary into, the pain's gone is, yeah, right and exactly. now you don't have exactly, that pain yeah. and now you're like <laughs> stoked about doing it yeah and i'm definitely going to do it again but it allowed me to push myself past those barriers where i thought i could push myself and mm-hmm. with pushing yourself through those barriers of doing a marathon 50k whatever that may be or even just your day to day yeah even with climbing crazy hikes with high altitudes not only is that incredibly inspiring, but with your path as well, you mentioned some health issues with having Crohn's. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about balancing that with all these intense, vigorous physical activities? Yeah. And how you're able to balance that and do the things that you feel a calling towards doing. Yeah. No, I'm super passionate about that because, you know, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in. 2003, um, which is similar to Crohn's disease. And I usually just say Crohn's. I've actually been diagnosed with both. I guess it's mainly about location in your Mm -hmm. GI system. Colitis is like the bottom. Crohn's can be anywhere. So they have seen inflammation other places. So that's why I was diagnosed with Crohn's. But yeah, so I was diagnosed with Crohn's, colitis, whatever in 03. And for me, I know it's, uh, it's really different for everyone, but for me, the biggest impacts to or the biggest causes for like flare-ups which is what happens when it's really bad flare-ups and we won't get into details but it's like diet and stress Mm -hmm. are the two biggest for me and so diet was almost immediate like you could see the reaction like if i were to like drink a, a ice cream shake or whatever within an hour or if not definitely the next day i'd be like on the bathroom all day and so growing up um, you know, going to like bar bat mitzvahs or like other parties or once you get to high school and college, there's a lot of drinking. Alcohol is like really bad. I would notice that would affect my body like big time. And so I learned pretty early on, like I have this like memory being at like Temple Emanuel at a bar mitzvah and they had all these like Coca-Cola out and like caffeine is also like really bad mm-hmm. for me. So I don't like drink any caffeine. People think is like ridiculous, but it's I impressive. Don't. It's yeah. something that I'm, I'm trying to fade off of myself. Yeah. So, I mean, I was almost like forced to, and like with the healthy lifestyle, it's almost like I was forced to mm-hmm. because I would, if I, so I, I remember seeing the Coke and I was like, oh, I really want to drink this Coke, but I know tomorrow 
it's gonna, my stomach's gonna be in so much pain and it's gonna suck. And so it's like, I was like always fighting these battles of like pick and choosing, like, do I wanna have fun now and, and, you know, suffer the consequences later? And that was really prevalent in college with drinking. And so I would, um, I was like, all right, I do wanna have fun. I do wanna drink the Coke and I do wanna like party and stuff. So during the week, I'm gonna eat really well. And, and so it could kind of save my like uncomfortable, my whatever irritable crap going Mm. on for a good occasion. So I'd be like, all right, I'm going to eat well during the week. And then Friday or whatever, Thursday, I guess I'm going out with the boys, Mm. you know? And, and then I just realized like, oh man, like eating well, I feel way stronger. And I've also been hospitalized. Like when I was first diagnosed, I was hospitalized for like a week here, a week there, a week here, a week there. And then my most recent flare up was about a year ago or two years ago. Um, I was hospitalized for like another week, 10 days. And so when I'm sitting in that bed, like I said before, I'm very antsy. And so I'm sitting in the hospital bed with like all these, you know, IVs and they're doing colonoscopies every day and stuff. I'm just like, feel so weak. And I'm just like, I don't almost don't know how to describe it. I just don't feel like myself. Like I feel like I'm like, all right, I need to like actualize myself. I like saw how bad my life could be if I was if my Crohn's was doing bad. And then I say, Oh, it's not it's somewhat in my control. Again, not everyone's the same, but for me it was somewhat in my control with my diet. So I was like, All right, like, no, I don't wanna be in a hospital bed and I don't wanna be I was always like the skinny kid, you know, I was always underweight. And that was kind of embarrassing for me. I was always like a twig. And so I just said, like, I don't I don't want that. I don't feel good like that. So when I wasn't having a flare up, I'm like taking full advantage of this. And I'm playing outside, playing in the woods, doing all this stuff. So I just and like you said before about when you did the uh four by four by mm-hmm. forty eight, you felt so good and you you reached this goal that you thought wasn't attainable before. And that's like the best feeling. You know, like I, that's like the reason why I, I train clients is because I want people to get to that feeling of like, oh, I didn't think I could do this. And like, I did it. And then right. you're like, oh, so what's next? You know, like you can do it. And like people's bodies are so much stronger and, and a lot of people are capable of way more than they think. So I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I'm just gonna focus on that and like reach these goals and like while I can because I don't want my Crohn's to hold me back and it just got addicting you know it was it was really after college I ran my first marathon Boston 2016 and I've run all of them since then so four Mm -hmm. since then um this will be the the fifth although this one's gonna be in October Mm -hmm. so yeah I just the Crohn's was like made me really th- I think it just made me think about my health at an early on stage so mm-hmm. 03 I was in like third grade so I was in like elementary school thinking about my health and what I put into my body and I don't think that's always the age people start thinking about that right exactly I feel like a lot of people in a sense have that wake-up call and it can allow you to really get in tune with your body and mm-hmm. honestly that's the biggest reason why Personally, I went with a plant-based diet. I tried it for a week. I think it was a week or two weeks. I'm like, you know, if if I feel weaker in the gym, if I'm not putting up these numbers mm-hmm. I want to, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before, which was a vegetarian diet, which I've been with since I was about seven years old. And oh, right on. I'm at about four years of plant-based now, but making that switch 
in a sense, I felt like I was working with my body instead of mm -hmm. against it as well. Yeah. I was like, you know what, how can I help my body in whatever capacity it may be? And obviously with varying health issues, it's obviously different. And at the end of the day, finding a way to develop that mind-body connection. Yeah. And with that mind-body connection, how have you become more in tune with your body, taking those steps to work with your body and to take on all these things that you're trying to do? And definitely when you have those accomplishments that you come across, it can help you drive you that much further. Yeah, so definitely accomplishments and thinking about what you have already achieved is huge, like, because you want to motivate yourself. But yeah, my I think my intuitive, like, I've always been, I feel like, known my body really well. I think, you know, growing up dancing, like I did hip hop and tap when I was younger in middle school with some buddies, and I even did ballet for a few months, which I like low-key, which I wish I kept doing, but I didn't because, you know, being a male ballerina in middle school, I got sort of teased on. And just looking at male ballerinas now, they're like jacked and can jump so high. Right. So I wish I kept Crazy doing footwork that. too. Yeah, great footwork. But anyway, but all of those things I think really helped me um, just kind of be aware of my body. And so with all these, you know, there's a fine line of pushing yourself and like overtraining. And overtraining is really common especially for people who are running like their first marathon or i mean anyone really there's this kind of like grind like if you should be like on the ground when you're done working out like if you can't walk out of the gym that was a good workout like that's definitely a mentality right. and i don't believe in that mm -hmm. you know like i it took me a while to realize but like your muscles grow when you're resting you know mm -hmm. like when you're working out you're like tearing those muscle right. fibers and and they need rest and to grow and it's so like, it's not going to happen overnight. Like it's a lifestyle thing. So you have to be really patient and really consistent. Mm -hmm. um, patience and consistency is something I find myself- Very like long-term focused. Exactly. If you want to actually like be healthy or change your lifestyle, it's, it's you got to have a long-term focus and not, and just, you have to be patient because it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen. Like everyone's body composition is different. So, you know, I, I, I was just- I was able to train and be like, all right, like I feel good. You know, I think I can run this amount, you know, or my training plan has me doing this, but I'm like totally pooped. So maybe I'll take it easy. So my next workout, I get more quality in. And then with eating, like I've always been like, I'm pretty much like vegan as well, um, but I'm not strict. I'm not strictly vegan because I, I was for a little bit, but I found that there were times when I like really wanted to eat like this chicken breast my sister made and I wouldn't. And I was like, well, fuck that. Like, I'm just going to eat it. And so I would eat it. And my intuitive eating, I think, is really good. Um, I definitely eat a lot of food because I need to. But also my this is the way my family is. My mom always cooked like she was feeding an army. Like, you know, I said I'm the youngest of five and eventually all my siblings moved out. And there was a time it was just me and my sister. My mom's still cooking the same size and mm -hmm. we're still eating it. So, yeah, you just, I have found that when I, that I've listened to my body and it's like paid off, you know, like I've, I think I need to take it easy. And then I'm like glad I did because the next day I feel better. Or I'm like, oh, this isn't feeling good. And, and when I was younger, I used to be super like accident prone and I, and I've broken like, you know, almost 10 bones or something like that. And every injury I've had, I've, I've like, I knew what it was before it was diagnosed. 
So I'd like go to a doctor and be like, Hey, like, I'm pretty sure my foot's broken. And I get the x-ray and they're like, yeah, it is broken. And that happened with like broken back, broken knee plate, arms, fingers, nose. And so, yeah, I really, I, I, but I give it a lot to the ballet because it was very much like, think about every part of your body. And I still, to this day, every morning I wake up and I like do a little mental. I'm like, okay, my toes, ankles, knees, hips, shoulders, like everything in between. And I think about if like, if you really just like take a second to think about your, how your feet are touching the ground when you take a step or when you're running or how your hands or your fingers are holding something like little things that you really, that you do subconsciously, if you actually think about them and take the second to like, think about how your body is moving. Um, it, it, it makes a big difference and you, you kind of notice your body moving and you find more efficient ways to move. And, and a lot of my, you know, when I, when I was at the gym, when I worked at the gym, a lot of my clients, I did a lot of lifting stuff, uh, which I don't do now cause I'm more remote. So, you know, it's just more calisthenics. No one has mm-hmm. like huge squat racks, but it was a lot of like people would be plateauing and it turned out it was just like usually a core thing. Like they just needed to focus on their core more, you know, it's like, Oh, why would I have to work on my core to squat more deadlift more? And it's like, well, you do like, it's all involved. If you're plateauing, it's probably something like do some more antis or whatever, like type of planky stuff, um, focus on that core and then it will all come with you. Just like this intuitive, like Mm -hmm. really thinking about your body and like being, um, in that present moment with your body as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and not just going through stuff, you know, and just being in that you're right, you're right, that present moment and thinking about where your body is in space. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just all this beautiful, like, movement. And, like, I, I just absolutely love that. Like, I love watching people move. Like, I love the Olympics and anything, really. It's just, I just, I mean, I love it. It's so, like an art form in its own. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. Like, like it's this body movement is art mm-hmm. for sure. With movement and being in tune with your body, with running, with climbing, with hiking, all of these different things that really require you to be in touch with your body, be focused in that present moment, especially when you're climbing too. Mm. You're looking for, okay, how can I hold on to this? How can I move to this next spot? How can I not fall? With climbing, can you begin to break down the different styles of climbing you do and your connection to climbing? Yeah. Uh, I mainly sport climb. So that's like, you know, with, uh, there's already bolts like in the rock and I'm starting to, I'm getting into trad. Like I just bought a bunch of cams, which are like super fun to play with. When I did my first trad lead in the Hammond Pond woods Mm -hmm. the other day. And so like leading is like as, so there's like, when you think of, I know you know, but when you think of climbing, you think of top roping, like the ropes going, the anchors at the top and friends belaying you. Um, But lead climbing is as you go up, you clip your anchors in, um, which is obviously what you need to do outdoors because there's not going to be ropes set up already. So mainly I sport climb because the bolts being bolted in the wall is just safer. Like it's not going to break when trad traditional climbing, you have these cams, which are like pieces of protection, um, which act as bolts. So you have to find like a crack in the rock or something that you can place a nut or a cam or something, which is supposedly supposed to hold you if you were to fall. So trad climbing, it's not so much seeing how hard you can climb. It's more like making sure you're like placing shit correctly and you know it takes way more knowledge 
Um, so it's an extra thing you got to think about when you're doing it. Yeah. It's big time. Like it's, it's, I mean, I, like I said, I'm just getting into it, so I don't know too much about it. Um, but it's super fun. So yeah, I mainly sport climb and the mental game is so big because, you know, on top rope, I can climb whatever this grade and be really good. But then all of a sudden when I'm sport climbing and you pass that bolt, so, you know, the anchor is below you and you're climbing up and you're getting ready to get to the next bolt. And it's like, if you fall, you're going to take a huge whip, a huge Mm -hmm. fall. Um, So even though I, if I was on top rope, like if the anchor was above me, I would be totally comfortable and know I can do it. For some reason, the potential of possibly, the possibility of falling really big, it just like almost stops me from like, it's like I forgot all how to climb. And so there's this like, so that's why I say it's so mental because you got to train yourself. And it's definitely something you can work on. Like fear is 100% something just like any other skill. Fear is a skill that you can practice and work on. And so, you know, I'm up there and I'm climbing. I'm like, I breathe. I tell myself like I got this. And I always tell myself I chose to do this. This is fun mm-hmm. for me. I'm having fun <laughs> right now. And then I and I do it. And I'm like, it's super fulfilling. And, and I, I get so proud of myself. Like with all these endeavors I do, you know, I'm so proud of myself for doing it. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't think I could do that. And I did it. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's a big mental game. You just have to trust yourself and just trust that you're going to perform like you know you will. And if shit happens, like you'll figure it out when it happens. But, you know, you do your best, like especially in climbing, you do your best to make sure everything's safe. Right. You know, and you don't want to minimize because that's like for real, like you could die. Like, you know, like what what we were saying before, someone's belaying you. It's like, all right my life is in your hands. Exactly. Like I'm trusting you with my life. So it's, it's no messing around. And it's, I, I really enjoy that aspect of adventuring, just like risk assessment. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty comfortable. I I know I'm definitely more comfortable with risk than other people are. And that's just because I've been in situations of risk more, you know, the more like, just like practice, like the more you prepare, the more like experience is the best teacher the more you're somewhere, like the more you're on some mountain that is like kind of exposed, the next time you're on there, you're going to be like, oh, I've been here. I've done this. Like I can do it. So it's, it's just this kind of beautiful battle of like being scared and then just like trusting yourself and growing. And it's, it's cool, dude. I don't know. I love that stuff. It's even with like, you're saying with the risk assessment, there's crazy risks, but the reward itself, it's, it pays off for itself. And mm-hmm. Uh, even some hikes that I've been on, I'm sure you've been on even crazier and more extreme hikes, but I did Katahdin with my buddy Brock and we went on the knife's edge, uh, shout out to mm-hmm. Brock. And you couldn't even see more than 10 feet in front of you. And I'm not sure if you've been on, I Katahdin haven't done knife, knife edge yet. And um, it's I want so narrow and it was so foggy. So it looked like we were just climbing this oh. super thin rock staircase and you could faintly see below with like a couple thousand feet drop. Yeah, and I'm like, true. what am I doing? What? Why am I here? Yeah. But like you said, going back to, I signed up for this. I, mm-hmm. I knew I was getting into this. I knew this was going to be a large obstacle and a challenging moment, but it's just something you have to push through and get through. And with those experiences, with being scared, facing those trials and tribulations with being at that moment of, I could die here. What is your connection like with something like death where you know that with something with one wrong mistake, you could die. Obviously it's something that you don't think of when you're doing it. But Mm -hmm. when I climb and 
say with hiking and all these different things, I know with a lot of people, it's something that's buried in the back of their mind of, it's probably something they've thought about before. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think about it often. Like I said, like most of the time I'm doing something, I can't, I, I'm like, all right, I might get hurt, but I'm not going to die. You know, on sport climbing, you're, if you take a bad fall, like you're going to get hurt, but the bolt's going to, it's usually bomber. You're right. not going to die. Trad climbing, that's, that's why I'm, I haven't gone into it that much. Um, but trad climbing, that's where it's like, okay, like if this breaks, you could die. And so because I've been in those, in like hospital bed for like weeks, a bunch of times, you know, I probably spent months collectively of times I've, I've slept at a hospital because of my ulcerative colitis or Crohn's. So I'm like, you know what, dude, like I want to just like live and, and I'm not like reckless again. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I, I don't just like do right. crazy stuff. Right. Like I, I think it's super important to make note of. I think a lot important. of people, yeah. there's, it's always great to get to the top, but it's always good to know the boundaries. of The what smart hiker turns around, like right. the mountain will be there. You know, right. I've had like, I've turned around from many hikes and that's totally cool. Like it's not about getting to the summit. It's just about like having fun and, ex and learning and whatever, experiencing so whenever, you know, I've been in two situations where I've actually been scared for my life. And both of those situations, I didn't like plan on doing it um, because I would never do something that I was worried I could die from without being totally sure I could, you know, I, I had the skills to do it. So I don't know. I mean, one of, I can go into those mm -hmm. if you like. Yeah. Um, can you... I'm not sure if it's a specific example, but can you tell me about one, your instance with a bear encounter <laughs> and also your experience with high altitudes in Colorado? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start with the bear one. Mm -hmm. So first of all- I wasn't sure if there were more on top of that. But. Yeah. I mean, those were the only two that I was legit like thought I was mm -hmm. going to die for a second, um, which is a crazy feeling. And it's like- I mean, I guess when I had that bike accident too, I was, I was scared, but that was so quick. But anyway, the bear, I was in, um, Wyoming, it was in Grand Tetons or maybe Glacier National Park. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was somewhere in Wyoming with grizzlies. And first of all, I've seen a bunch of bears in the wild and for the most part, and like all animals, I mean, my biggest thing is like, they don't want to mess with you. So as long as right. you don't do anything to mess with them, you don't do anything that will make them change mm. their behavior, whether it be like, you know, I don't know, keep walking when you see one beep your horn or anything. Like it's one thing if the animal's already approaching you and something. You can only have that respect. Yeah, you got to have that respect like big time. You know, people like just, especially in national parks, you see people do like crazy stuff like taking selfies or like feeding wildlife. It's just like super not cool and not safe for anyone because you don't want animals to get used to humans. Um, but I've been around bears and they're grazing and I've been in a place and I've been, I've seen bears on the trail and I'm like, all right. And I've waited like probably like half an hour, hour for a bear to move. And like, that's that, but that's, that's all you're going to do. You're not going to, you know, scream at the bear when you're hiking in bear area, it is good to be loud. So you don't want to spook a bear or something or like a moose or whatever. But for the most part, if an animal knows you're coming, if you're loud, you know, just as talking or clapping and it knows you're coming, it's not going to mess with you unless it's like a mom, my bear, right. which is my situation. Um, so what happened was I was doing this hike in uh, one of those national parks 
And there's this area where it's this big open field. And usually open fields, there's like bushes and that's where bears like to graze. And so going up the hike, it was to this beautiful glacial lake. Going up, there were bears in that area and we had to stop and wait for the bears to get out of the way. And so I was going into the hike and we were stopped and people leaving the hike Mm -hmm. were also stopped. And we were there for like, this was another time we were there for a long time, like I don't know how long, but an hour. I wouldn't be surprised if it was an hour, but it was probably like half an hour. So the people leaving the hike were all like piled up waiting in line. And eventually when they let us go, like they all left. So the whole hike, it was like a six mile hike or something like that. Everyone was like gone. It was all empty because, you know, everyone was leaving and they had to get held up. And so I was hiking to the glacier um, when we were waiting. So when everyone like passed, it was just me and my current ex I was with, it was just us hiking. So we were on the trail pretty much alone, um, which is, I guess, important to note. On our way back, I saw a group of people in the same area where we saw the first bears. I saw a group of people like go off trail. I was like, oh, okay. So there's probably a bear there. And the trail is like, it's like a trail. Then it's like a super steep uphill where the shrubs are and then super steep downhill. And so the people are going off trail and I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, there's a bear there. And then, um... I see this bear, this mama bear, like walking. And then the people who were behind it saw me and they said, they started screaming, bear, bear, to like, let me know there was a bear there. And I see the bear and I'm like, okay, great. And then they, they wouldn't stop screaming. They like kept screaming, bear, bear. And they were like shrieking. Almost like putting the bear on edge. Exactly. So the bear, so you see from the bear's point of view, there's a group of people and then the bear, and then me. So the bear, and it's a mama bear with three cubs. You don't normally see three cubs. It's usually two max. Mama right. bear with three cubs between two groups of people. And the group of people behind them is shrieking. And animals can like sense stuff, right. you know? Right. And so, uh, and side note, whenever I am in a close encounter with an animal, which I've had quite a bit because I put myself in nature so mm-hmm. much, um, but whenever I've had that, I always like do my best yoga voice. I'm like, okay, moose, okay, bear. Like, I'm not trying to fuck with you. You don't fuck with me. I'm going to carry on. You carry on. And I really think that helps. So these people are shrieking and the bear, no, like I could see in its face. It was like, it was like, oh my God, like I'm stuck between these two people. And it started like galloping towards me and I just see this bear and and it was, I'm pretty sure it was a black bear. Um, in the summer, black bears hair kind of bleached. So they, mm-hmm. they all look like blonde. They all look like grizzly bear colors. So this bear is like running at me and I'll never forget the look on its face. It was like just like beautiful cinnamon hair in the wind. And this, it was just looking at me and it had this expression. Like, I don't know what's going on, but like you're one, you're two people here. And there's a group of like seven people behind me screaming, so it started running at me and I was like, I didn't even have any time to think about anything. I was just like, holy fuck. I saw this bear and, and I had this thought, I was like, this is how I'm going to die. And so I'm slowly walking backwards because you're not supposed to run. Right. Um, Cause you know, the predator mm-hmm. predation instincts and I'm walking backwards and I can't get off trail because it was so steep on one side and the other side was downhill and you're not supposed to be, you, you want to have higher ground. And eventually like there was a spot I got off on and my ex like had this bear spray and she like gave it to me and I took the safety off of this bear spray 
and I was off trail, like maybe eight feet off trail. And this bear just walked right next to me and I have the bear spray aimed at it. And I do my yoga talk. I'm like, all right, mama, like, I'm sorry I was in your way. Like you can let your, you and your cubs go. And, and the bear like looked at me right when it was, you know, directly under me, looked at me and then it like saw I wasn't a threat and then looked away and then didn't look at me wow since then and then just wow. walked away walked into the shrubs and and the little cubs i have this picture i, I have this like shaky ass picture I, I i shouldn't have taken my phone out but i have this picture of these cubs and they're like on their back legs looking at me and i was like fuck off cubs like go with your mom like don't you know be curious about me right um and last thing you want is the cub the walk up to you and then the mama bear coming back like hey what are you yeah, doing what are you cubs? doing with my babies <laughs> so uh yeah i mean and then I like scurried away and then turned the corner and just fucking booked it back to my campsite. And it was so like, I was just acting to like, I was very in control and I, I didn't freak out at all. And I wasn't like panicking. I was very like composed. And I was like, it was, so, it was like, actually it was sort of beautiful because it was like I had these – I was like thinking and then like answering my own thoughts like boom, 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 boom. I was like – I was like, oh, I can't go back. I shouldn't go downhill. I can't go up here. Shouldn't run backwards, like walk backwards. Oh, I can get there. Go there. Grab the bear spray. And it was really cool how I just like – I like kept my composure. And then when I got back to the campsite, when I got to the table, I like broke down. I, I sat at the table and I was just like couldn't believe it. And I like was really scared and I may have like cried, um, but I, I was just like – shaking and I couldn't talk or do anything. I just needed to like, like it all hit me then when, mm -hmm. once I was like, knew I was safe and it was a trip too going back into the campsite. Like, you know, people are just like, whatever with their RVs, like, Doo, and I'm like, yo, like I almost just got fucked up. And what I still think of to this day is if it wasn't me, if it was some like non experience or whoever, if it was someone else who just didn't really know what to do, like that probably would have been a bear attack. Right hopefully not fatal but you know mama bear um they don't mess around yeah they don't mess around for sure so that was just like i mean i already respected animals but that i was like all right like you're in why when you go into nature like you gotta be you it's you're responsible for yourself mm -hmm. you're almost you're going into their home as well too yeah you're going into their home you're the guest but man that was that was crazy Wow. That's, <laughs> I, I couldn't even imagine being in that situation. And, I'm, and there's been instances where I've encountered animals, but nothing quite like a bear like that or. Yeah. It was running animals. at me, man. That's, it was like, the, the, <laughs> I couldn't even imagine the thought, that. I like have this image of it running at me and it was just terrifying. And like, I do not need, like, I don't love, you know, like people might, I've had some people say I'm like an adrenaline junkie or whatever, but I don't think so. Like I, I didn't like that. You know, I don't like... I think that's a different level of adrenaline as well. Yeah. Knowing that like a bear is coming full speed at you. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I mean, it's just the whole safety thing. Like I, I'm okay with getting hurt. I'm fine with being injured. But when it's like potential death, I'm I'm not down with that. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And then can you tell me about your experience in Colorado as well? Because when you were telling me yeah. that story as well prior, um, it's just absolutely crazy both stories just yeah yeah so the colorado one that one was that one was probably worse that was like i still don't really understand what happened um but i was flying in again with to meet up with my buddy shilai shout out shilai and i'm coming from boston 
So totally sea level, you know, no experience. I have, I had no, no experience with altitude at the time. Um, I did finish like, you know, a hundred mile bike ride. And, and so I was in shape for sure. Uh, which is something we talked about. We were like, Oh, like I could probably handle this 14, you know, 14,000 foot, uh, mountain, this hike we were going to do. I was like, Oh, I could probably handle it. Cause I'm in decent shape, which normally you'd want to like acclimate or acclimatize, whatever to something like that but i was like whatever i'm in shape i can do it so we literally land i land the plane he picks me up and we go and we just start this hike at maroon bells wilderness um in colorado which is absolutely gorgeous and we were gonna backpack for i think it was two nights and so we get to you know we're hiking and we're at like nine thousand elevation and i start to feel it and i just you know just like a little nauseous or I had a little headache at the point. I didn't get nauseous yet. I think it's like you have a headache and then you get nauseous. And then if you start throwing up, that's when it's like you're, you, you got to like hike down or do something, mm-hmm. get oxygen. So I was at headache point at the 9,000 feet campsite. And then I think we decided to go to the next campsite, which was like 10,000 feet. And I was like feeling it pretty bad, like headache, nausea, nausea. And you could see where the campsite was. You could see like there was this beautiful pass and that like was kind of where the goal was. We were going to hike up there, sleep and then hike out the next day. And I was like, you know what? She like, I can't, I don't think it's smart to do this. I feel like shit. And you know, another thing with going into the wilderness, why it's so important to be responsible because is because if you get hurt, you're putting other people's life at risk because anyone who has to rescue you now you have a group of whatever five people who have to risk their lives so super irresponsible to to be irresponsible um so you gotta know your limits and so i was like okay i shouldn't go up to this pass and then eli was like well i'm gonna go and i was like all right sick like take a picture so i can see and he went up there and he's like climbing up climbing up and it's like this ridge it's like a pass on a ridge line, and the best way to get to the top is like to go like up the ridge this way. And I was like, and I saw him doing it, and I was like, man, that looks so fun. Like, I'm here now. I can't. I was like, I, I can't just not go up there. You know, it's this thing with me where it's like, if I think about something, I'm like, I just got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided I'm gonna suck it up and go hike up to the pass with him. So he went up you know, this way along the ridge, I decided to go for some reason around and up this way. And so it was like, like I just said, there was a ridge. And then on either side, there was this huge scree slopes and scree is like, you know, broken rock. So I don't, I don't even remember really hiking up, but I just, next thing I know, it was just like literally like a movie. I was like, boom, next thing I know, I was on my hands and knees on the scree slope, right on the side of the pass. And I was literally sliding down on the rocks and I like, you look behind me and there's just like thousands of foot drop and it just hit me. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And then I saw Sheila poke his head over like this. And he had this, he was just like, (gasps) like he had this look and I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? And I, it was like so quick and I was just like, holy shit, like I... I need to really be careful and move really carefully right now because I don't want to slip and fall all the way down there. And eventually I like, I mean, again, I don't really remember what I did. I think because the altitude was like messing with, with, you know, my thought process, which is a a common thing I looked up since then, what happens with altitude. And, um, you know, eventually I got up the proper way 
and we took our pictures, you know, and went back down. And I just, that is still really scary just because there was no, like with the bear was like, I had no really control. It was like the bear Mm -hmm. was there with other things. I'm like, okay, I I think I can do this. But that it was like, I don't know what I was thinking. I was just all of a sudden I was in this spot that is really dangerous. I mean, it, so what I took away from that, you know, I always try to find a, a positive to everything, like a life, like a lesson. And so I was like, all right, like I just got to really focus one step at a time at what I'm doing, you know, to not just like move. And a lot of times when you're hiking, especially long distance, you just kind of head down, you're just going. Right. Um, and so it's really important to like look at where you're going. And that's another thing why hiking and running, running, especially, I mean, hiking and running are really similar, but running, you're just doing it quicker so it's super mentally draining exhausting because you have to look at every single step you know it's not like road road running where you can kind of just run like when you're on the trail you have to look at every single step um because you don't want to fall or whatever mm-hmm. um and, and kind of analyzing even going forward it's like okay with where i'm at now how's that going to affect me going up another couple thousand feet mm-hmm. or a couple miles in a couple hours in yeah exactly so that was just, I mean, that was, that was pretty messed up. That was like, I, it's almost embarrassing to tell the story because I just feel like such an idiot doing it. But, you know, I, I learned like, it was just like a reminder mm-hmm. that I'm just a mere mortal. Like I just, you know, I, I'm playing on these big stuff and I do all this crazy stuff, but I could seriously like mess myself up and I got to focus and pay attention i got a lot of people that love me and i love a lot of people and i don't want to like be selfish and hurt myself for for some silly reason mm-hmm. so and that again was like i don't need to do that again and like i've been in like i think the, the craziest hike i did was this most this past winter i i got up mount washington, washington. yeah i was yeah. gonna ask about that yeah i did a solo ascent um, and I, and it was my sec- second try. Yeah. I did it. La- I tried, attempted last year or not last year, but two years ago or whenever, I don't know, maybe it was the, I, my years. I feel like this previous year with the quarantine, I like threw everything. I don't off. know if <laughs> what I'm thinking of is last year or the year before it. Cause that didn't really count as a year, but it did count, which was the whole mm-hmm. reason for the confusion. Right. Um, so yeah, I tried that last year. I didn't do it this year. I did it. And even the pictures and the videos i saw i was like oh my god i'm like i didn't i didn't realize it was mount washington until i saw your picture with the summit i was like wait a second you did what (laughs) that was crazy i went up and down in like five hours too it's like super quick i don't really know how i did it that quick so the day before i mean first of all i I had really great weather you Mm -hmm. know it's hard to have good weather but for the most part i had great weather which is huge um but the day before i was like all right, like, you know, subconsciously, I guess I was thinking back to that time in Colorado where I was just in this spot I shouldn't have been. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be up there in the Alpine. And I don't know, anyone who's done like a big hike or been in a place where the weather's crazy, especially the wind, like when there's such strong wind, it's like overwhelming. It's like hard to think, you know, it's like, like all this crazy shit. It's hard to like, be like, okay, like this is what I need to do because you just feel like everything you need to do real quick. So the day before on my run, I think I did an easy run or whatever, I was visualizing myself at the summit and I was like, okay, when I get up there past tree line and I get hit by this wind, 
Um, I'm probably not going to be able to see anything because last year it was total whiteout. As you saw in the video, it was like all whiteout. Right. Um, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to see anything. And I just practiced being like, okay, breathe. Can I see the Karen in front of me? You know, the Karen, like the mm-hmm. trail marker, the pile of rocks. I was like, okay, can I see the Karen in front of me? Can I see the Karen behind me? Okay, I'm still good. I can keep going. And I like, I like, um, what's it called? Like role played that I role played myself on the summit with all this crazy wind. And that was huge. Cause when I got onto the summit, I was like, all right, I was literally here last night. You know, yesterday I was up on the summit in my head. So it's, I mean, physically it's brutal hike. It's just like pretty straight up right? and especially in the snow. And so I get up to that Alpine area and, and Washington is kind of cool. Cause you're in, you hit Alpine and then there's still like two miles to go till the summit. Right. And the last like half mile is like pretty steep and there was like really poor visibility. So I was lucky. I had right when I had uh clear skies to the summit. And then when I got to not the summit to Alpine, when I got to Alpine clouds started moving in, but I still had like pretty blue skies up at Alpine. It wasn't until that last summit push. I wish I knew the name. I think it was past the lion's head. I, I wish I knew the actual, they have the names for all these features, yeah. you know, but I, I don't remember them. But that's when it got white out and I just kept my cool dude. And I was like, all right, I can see the Karen ahead of me and I can see it behind me. I can keep moving. All this being said, I have a little satellite phone. Mm-hmm. I bought this Garmin InReach Mini and it allows me to send emergency message or text um, without any service. It's connected mm-hmm. to the satellite. It's smart. So that's one of the things that I have on me. I have that and like a backup battery. Um, and then of course, regular, like emergency blanket and stuff like that. Um, but I have that stuff that helps me be like, all right, if shit gets really bad, I'm like this, I I can get out of here. I have some sort of connection, but yeah, I was like, I'm going to stay composed. And I, and I did, and I made it to the summit and it was amazing. And you know, when you make it to the summit, like the hike's not over there, there's still the descent. Right. And I think it's something like... And I think that's something a lot of people, even myself, sometimes forget. It's like, oh, we're at the top. We're all like, good. We and did like, it. Oh, wait, we got to go do this <laughs> the same the complete thing. opposite yeah, way. <laughs> exactly. I think it was, I read somewhere it's like 80% of accidents happen on the descent. I believe um, it. Yeah, because you're tired. Especially if you take that really aggressive final push to get to the yeah, summit. Yeah, ti- your final push is aggressive, you're tired, and you don't think about down climbing. It's usually darker, um, everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I was also the first one or I was the second one to hit the summit that day. So it wasn't super broken in and the wind, like the trail just like, you you know, it's like waist deep snow at some points, but that will just get blown over by the wind. So you don't see your footprints. Um, so it's, you really have to pay attention to the Cairns. That must've been hard to keep track of. Yeah, it was. And, and that's, but I was able to look, see the Karen ahead of me and see the Karen mm-hmm. behind me. And so I was, I was totally ready to turn around when I couldn't, I would be like, okay, if I, I'm going to walk until I can't see the Karen behind me or, you know, until I just can't, if I still can't see the one ahead of me, like I'm turning around. What was the down climbing experience like of going down Mount Washington in that, just in that environment of being in the winter and obviously it's a tough enough hike as it is already. And I can only imagine with snow up to your waist yeah. and not only having to go up, but also down and at the steep angles at some points. Yeah. I always call it dick deep snow. <laughs> um, but uh, 
it was i mean i love descending i love the descent it was really fun i was i think so the the tough part at the summit it was almost like that when i was in that bear area i was just kind of acting like i got to the summit i took my pictures but then on the way down i was like it was almost easier to see the cairns on the way down but i was just that whole time i'm just in this zone what i was talking to earlier like when i was younger this just focused zone like when i'm moving and like in that flow and that's that's what i love and i was in that zone so like up there, I was just kind of focused on looking at the next Karen, looking at the next Karen, looking at the next Karen. Um, and then once I was at a spot where I was like comfortable and, and I knew I like was past the danger part, then I was like, all right, fuck yeah. Like, and I started enjoying it. And um, I usually run down and I know in the winter, I don't know if it's looked down upon, but I do a lot of butt scooting. Like I just mm. slide down on my butt. I think it's, people don't love it because it makes it hard to hike up makes sense but like whatever it's so fun and i know it's bad and i get pissed when people butt scoot and i'm hiking up but it's like so fun but yeah i just slid down a lot of it um like I, i'm really good at like my descent on running is i've noticed with everyone i run at it's like i'm pretty good at running down so it's like a whole different experience from running up or even flat going down i, I tried it once in arizona where someone was like hey just just run and just kind of bounce from rock to rock and yeah. yeah, as you're building that momentum going down, it's it can be very intimidating. It can. It's like borderline controlled falling. Mm. Um, but yeah, you just kind of falling and stepping on stuff and jumping. I love it. When you're really tired, it sucks. It like hurts. It hurts in a bad way. It hurts your joints. It's not mm. like uphill hurts like your muscles like physically hard, and that's cool. I I love pushing myself and you know, you get to this point where you think you can't go any further, but like you do your body, like you there, like it's, if you can get over it mentally, like when you're running, it, you're like, Oh, this is like this brutal. I'm in this pain cave. It, it hurts so much. I can't do it. Like you just got to tell yourself or what I always tell myself is it's, it's going to feel better again. There's going to be, whether it's when the run's over or just later in the run, it's going to be good. Like the pain is temporary and you won't, like stop i mean if you're like lightheaded and whatever like yeah that's you know stop like if you're feeling dizzy and stuff like that but if it's like strictly pain and brutal like you can keep going if you if you want to if you just say okay one more step one more step if like you'll keep going you know um and you have and i guess my what i've always been trying to discover is that point where i can't keep going mm-hmm. you know like i and I don't mean like, like an injury would be horrible, but I, I, I'm yet to find that point where I just, my body just can't move anymore. You know, like I, I have all these, like those 50 Ks, those ultras, and, you know, I have goals to do 50 milers and hundred milers, and I have a 36 miler coming up. And I just, I haven't gone to the point where like, it hurts a lot and it's brutal, but my legs still move. Like those neural pathways are still there. Yeah, I mean, going down is a whole different thing. Those those are some insane <laughs> and wild experiences. And we are a bit pressed on time. I want to yeah. make sure we wrap it up. Thank you again, Dow. Shout out. Yeah, shout um, out, Dow. Thank shout you. out, Dow. Dow Brizzy Beats. But for people that are... So this is going to be a two-part question. Mm-hmm. For people that are trying to find their passion and their calling what would you say to somebody listening that is trying to find that, figure out what it is and kind of tap into it and hone into it? And then the second part to that question, what does passion mean to you? Like the word passion. 
Yeah. So people trying to find their passion, I would say like, just like take a step backwards, like pause for a second and just like try to think on a really basic level. Like, what do you like? You know, like, I don't know, you're like reading, gardening, watching TV, doing this, doing that. Like what makes you feel good? You know, so a lot of people like, like just like walking or sitting on a bench. But I, I, I used to think of this like complex thing. I'd be like, what do I want to do? Like, you know, and I would just like saw other people and I felt like there was this like big grand something somewhere of my calling. And I re- and then I, you know, if you just pause and you're like, oh, like when I'm like in the woods, like I'm just happy. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'll build off that, you know? And like, oh, when I help other people reach their goals, like training, like that makes me feel good. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I build off that. So I think patience is, is really big. You know, everyone's always trying to hustle. And like, I've had that hustle before, but I think there's something to be said for patience and things will come to you or you'll just kind of figure things out. Um, but just don't get stressed out on like failing or, or, or coming up with nothing. Just like whatever, you know, and just be like specific about whatever you're doing. You know, if, if you're doing something like don't half-ass it, like do it with, with meaning and with purpose and try not to care about what other people think. If you like it, go for it. And I don't know, I mean, you'll learn, you'll meet someone, you know, you just have to put yourself in that place. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need nice shoes or like you don't need to like have run as much as I have to like hike Mount Washington or to do this or to the, to do that. Um, like if you go there, then you can just start walking and it's one step at a time. Um, whatever, you know, discipline, one pedal, one stroke, one paddle, one reach. And there's just like, just start, just do something, you know, it's just, I, I used to feel like you have to prep. I have to do this. Oh, in order to do this, I have to do this in order to whatever bike. I need like this type of bike in order to do this hike. I need these type of this gear. And like, yeah, that makes it like, would be nice to have that, but you have arms and legs or, 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 you know, even if you don't like you have a drive, if you're able to get somewhere like just put yourself there and like you already did the first step of starting and once you started something it's much easier and and you meet people so that was like some sort of an answer yeah that works (laughs) (laughs) and uh passion to me something i'm just engaged in like i I still don't really know i like i know i still struggle with find like what is my passion Mm -hmm. um i think it's like just seeing what my body can do I, i i just love humans and the movement and everything um and so what passion means to me is just when someone like finds out what just like what makes them smile and like a genuine smile and, and they're like, all right, I want to make more smiles. And then when you find other people, like community is always really big. And when you mm-hmm. find other people who smile at the same thing, you smile, everyone's all smiling together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like, that's when it's really beautiful. And you find that maybe it's not so much about achieving this goal or like reaching this passion but it's really about just like the memories and the friends and all the experiences you get along the way because i i really don't think there's like i don't want to be like a debbie downer but i don't i I don't feel like there's like a purpose necessarily Mm -hmm. in life i think we're just living 
Um, and so if you just find good people, do good things, eat good food, like that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. you know? It's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, I, it's just like chill, you know? At the end of the day, like if you're okay and your friend's okay, then everything's good. Like, all right, that's cool. You're mm-hmm. at a, a good step. Like everyone's all right. So let's move on and let's fucking find a way to smile. Yeah, and keep on moving <laughs> with it. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Sam, this is an absolute blast. I feel like we could talk all day. Yeah. Uh, where are the best ways for people to connect with you? And do you have any closing thoughts or comments? Yeah. Um, well, if you want to connect with me, I mean, you can just like sign into my DMs. Uh, my <laughs> Instagram is like Sammy Diesel. Oh, yeah. I'm a. Uh, so I'm, me and my girlfriend are trying to start this blog, which has been very half-assy. It's all on, on me. And, you know, I don't love the whole influencer stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of struggling right. with that. And I know we were talking before mm-hmm. about like a brand ambassador or sponsorships that I've, I'm working on. But Playing in the Forest is our handle for that. And if someone's interested in training, Sammy Davis Fitness at gmail.com is where I do that. And I, I write a lot of running plans. I just, I'm currently working with a client and, and she's running her first marathon. That's very exciting. But I have a lot of my clients have gotten to, you know, all these running milestones and just, it's, it's cool. So, you know, I don't know, just, I'm not going to give my number out, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Instagram, like playing in the forest. Um, I'll, I'll put links for everywhere for folks to connect with you as well. Yeah. yeah you can throw my, my personal handle and playing yeah. in the forest is cool, but yeah, I don't know. Just, just, you know, enjoy life. Things are really not that big of a deal. Um, as long as everyone's health is okay, then then that's that's the important part. You know, as long as as long as you and your loved ones are doing all right, and you know, obviously other people in the world, but you know, unfortunately, shit happens often. Right. And you know, as long as as you're all right and your friends are all right, and then then that's what it's all about. Just enjoy and and let go of 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 the little things and and things that may seem big, they're really not. You know. Yeah. Sam, my man, this is a blast. <laughs> yeah. It was fun and time. thank you again for coming on. And this has been episode seven. Episode seven. <laughs> thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Let us know what you think with the links below with ways to connect with both of us. New episodes will be coming out weekly. And as always, follow us on social media to stay connected with any updates and news on new episodes and more. Something coming up this weekend. If you guys remember from episode four with Louis Payati of Aftershock, I'm helping organize the Aftershock Music Week cleanup event in Boston, Massachusetts with Counterculture Silent Disco and Familiarity. I'm going to be doing two hours of event-exclusive live podcasting. So if you guys want to so if you guys want to hear a live podcasting experience, come check out the event or even just to say what's up, feel free to stop by. I'm going to have more information on the podcast social media pages. And until next time, one step closer and one foot in front of the other to get you that much closer to where you're trying to be. Take care.